Hey guys, Danny here on this episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. We'll talk a little bit about YouTube, the good, the bad, the ugly, how you might be able to work the concept of becoming a YouTuber into your overall lesson marketing philosophy. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Seth Godin and Abraham Lincoln. That's a big intro. Let's roll the intro. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. I'm your host, Danny Thompson. As always, great to be back speaking to you guys for another episode here. I hope everybody is doing well. I had a great weekend. Not that really anyone should care, but I'm going to talk about it because I care. But just did a bunch of bike riding. It was awesome. Went on a crazy good mountain bike ride Saturday and then a nice road ride yesterday head down again today for a little more road riding so uh that got me thinking about something and I'll, I'm going to touch on this before I uh, do a little bit of house cleaning and talk about our sponsors and jump right in to our episode today but um you know I've been trying to revamp music lesson business academy to be uh, be more effective for people and you know, just make it work the best way that I can. And something I've really been thinking about is, you know, as I've been getting more back into cycling <clears throat> and, you know, I used to race a little bit when I was in my thirties and, you know, man, things have really come a long way. Cause <clears throat> back then, you know, it wasn't just so easy to just jump on YouTube and like, you know, listen to a coach do a talk about races or watch in race footage with people you know, showing their power rate ratings and things like that on the screen. And, you know, the data was just wasn't so available to us <clears throat> as it is now. But, um, you know, I have a little bit of experience with, you know, cycling coaches, not me being one, but working with one. And, you know, I was really thinking a lot about, you know, how do cycling or running coaches, performance coaches of that nature how do they work with their clients? And, you know, in cycling, there's a lot of statistics that we can use to evaluate our fitness level. You know, your, without getting too geeky, but we call it the FTP rating. And, you know, we do a lot of measurement of watts, which is how much power you can put out. So, you know, how much, how much power can you put out for a you know, quick burst of 10 seconds. How much power can you sustain? What's your average sustained power for one hour or, you know, different ratings like that. And based on that, a coach can look at those numbers and we can see increases in those numbers and can look at factors that might be uh, needed in your training program to allow you to increase in those areas. And it really made me think about, you know, like what are the statistics that we would look at to 
see if we're a successful racer, right? To see if we're a successful music school competitor. Um, and, and obviously we're not competing with each other in any way. This is really all about you, but you're, I guess you're competing with yourself. You're competing with your business's previous year, you know, in business, that's a statistic, you know, that we look at quite often. Um, you know, in guitar center as a manager and as a district vice president, I always had a, um, a bonus structure in place for that year. And some of those categories, it was always based on the previous year's performance. So if you had an amazing year the year before and you had a 20% increase in gross sales and the way we generally tracked it was from month to month. So, you know, obviously, cause there's different months, December is always going to be a much different looking month than January. So, and we have a little bit of that seasonality within our music school. So we want to look at, you know, this, you know, spring is always good for us. Um, you know, winter after December is always good for music schools. So you should be looking at month over month statistics. How many students that I have last year in December or January? How many do I have this year in January? What was my gross sales in January last year? What's my gross sales in January this year? What's my profit margins? All those types of statistics. Um, you know, and I think what's different about working with a performance coach, not a mental performance coach, you know, not, not that kind of stuff, but a coach, you know, like a cycling coach, I would get on a zoom call with, and they would outline for me, here's what you should do this week. Here's a training strategy for this week. And the reason it works is because I have to turn in the statistics because now on your bike, all that stuff is recorded on your on the computers that are on your bike, including power outings, ratings, and stuff like that. So it's very easy to just upload those statistics, and that coach can see, did you do it or did you not do it? And there's an accountability factor. And I think that that's one of the problems that happens with, you know, our type of programs and, you know... You get the program and then you never really read the, the materials or you never watch the videos or you watch a video and you're like, yeah, that's a good thing. I should do that. And then you never get it done. And, you know, I think if I had a business coach that I could connect with right now, that would really hold me accountable to the point of saying, listen, if, if you don't get this stuff done when you're supposed to get it done and get these stats up, we're not going to be able to work together. You know, that would force me because that's what a lot of these, you know, these cycling coaches, they're not, they won't just take your money forever if you're not going to do the work and put in the effort because it's also a representation of, of them. You know, so your statistics out there when whether you're winning races or you're you're off the back and can't even keep up with the pack, you know, they don't want that that athlete on their roster. So, you know, obviously it's not exactly the same in what we do, but I don't know. It's just got my mind working on some things there. Guys, if you'd like to get one extra podcast a month, some live streams, some extra bonus content videos. Or if you just want to support this podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash Music Lesson Business Academy. Take a look at the tiers on there and consider becoming a Patreon supporter.
This episode of Music Lesson Business Academy is brought to you by NeverAloneBusinessServices.com. Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, website design, all that kind of good marketing stuff. They've been doing my um, Google AdWords for quite a while now. They're doing a great job. Now, what I would tell you is there is a surge right now. It seems like people are getting back to lessons. I've been really busy right now. So it's definitely a time that you should be looking at maybe either getting started in ads or turning your ads back on if you had turned them off. Or maybe it's time to do a revamp uh, and see if you can get some more productivity out of your Google ads or Facebook ads. Go over to NeverLoanBusinessServices.com. Talk to Chris and Jen over there. Mention you heard about it on Music Lesson Business Academy and save a hundred bucks. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, YouTube. Well, first I would say I love YouTube. I have a I have a love hate with YouTube. So, um. I think YouTube is amazing for so many things. I love the business model of YouTube. I love what a lot of creators are doing on YouTube. And, you know, I think a lot of people that don't spend much time on YouTube think it's just filled with a bunch of garbage. And I'm sure there's just tons of garbage on YouTube. Um, and a lot of the most popular channels are obviously silly and stupid and nothing that I would be interested in. But that's kind of the way I am with music in a lot of ways as well. So it doesn't mean that there are not amazing artists and amazing bands and amazing new bands out there right now that I love. They just might not be at the top of the charts and they probably never will be. And I think YouTube is really similar in that sense that you know, for all the things that I'm into, cycling, there's just amazing content creation, motorcycles, you know, um, you know, any of the flying stuff I like to watch there. I mean, high quality, well-produced, great personalities. So whatever it is that you're into, there's a great channel for it. Now, one thing that I hate about YouTube, and this is where I think we are going to struggle as music teachers and um, and many of us coming from a musician's background. So as a drummer, like I know if I would have, and I did do it years ago, I had YouTube videos out there with me playing and I just didn't stick with it. And I'm sure if five years ago, even I would have started doing a lot of drum videos again, I'd have, I could have a million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, and it would probably be a really cool financial thing for me as well. But I kind of hate the YouTube drummer world. Like as a drummer, I really, it drives me nuts, like all the drum covers out there. And, you know, at the same time, I'll watch a, an educational video by certain drummers that I think are great. So there are great drum lesson videos to watch. And then there are people that have 2 million followers doing drum covers. And I kind of think that they aren't very good at drums. So this is the dilemma. And I think this is where some of the contention would come in among us as musicians and uh, music teachers is, you know, is it all about the popularity? Um, 
you know, is it a disservice? And, and here's an example. I, I was watching a drum, you know, drum cover the other day. This guy's got like 2 million subscribers and I'm watching him do a song and I'm like, he, this guy's not a good drummer. And, but you know, he can do some fancy stuff on, and it, you know, he's, he's doing good production value. I mean, his drum sounded like shit, but, um, you know, multi-camera angles, you know, doing a well-produced video. And I think it's great. What I, what concerns me with that is when I look at the comments and all the people commenting, none of them are real drummers. And when I say real drummers, I would say somebody who's made a record or played in a band or toured or really, you know, really knows what they're talking about. Um, they're just like, oh my God, you're so incredibly talented and you're, you're just amazing. Like one of the best drummers out there. And it's like, oh my God, this guy probably couldn't really do a whole lot in the real music world, you know? And there's, so <laughs> is, you know, is it a disservice that there's a ton of people watching it who might think, yeah, this is what it means to be a good drummer. And you could just relate this to any instrument. Versus what I know it means to be a good drummer when it comes to actually making music. So, it, it, but it, it's a different thing. And I think this is where we're going to run into our issues with us being music snobs, which a lot of us can be. I, I try not to be when it comes to the music lesson world and I've always been the big advocate saying, oh, no, I think, you know, I'll, I could get a debate going right now. But is it harder to learn how to play a classical piano piece and play it really well? Is that harder than writing a three-chord Green Day song that sells millions of copies? And I would contend that the Green Day song that sells millions and millions of copies is actually way harder to do. And everyone who says, oh, anyone could do that, it's three chords. Well, no, not anyone could do it because everyone would do it if they could, including the most stodgy, stuck-up jazz musician. It's a different thing. You can't write a three-chord hit song. If you could, you would have. Don't say it's because you choose not to. That's bullshit. Um... I appreciate all music, though. So I, I guess I just defend when people attack. You know, well, that's three chords. There's nothing to it. Well, you don't see, you don't see what's to it. That's, that's the difference. You don't think maybe that a rap artist is really talented or a DJ is talented. It's a totally different thing. You know, real hard metal with the crazy vocals, they're not just screaming that's that's what people who don't who've never tried to write one of those songs or recorded one think try to go do one that's good and you'll realize holy crap this is its own art form that's really hard and i try to always keep that in mind so when i'm watching those drum videos and i i have to kind of fight back that you know that urge to be like oh my god this guy sucks you people don't know what you're talking about they're like oh my god your drums sound so good and i'm like that's not good sounding drums but is there an opportunity there to educate if I did a YouTube channel about drums and I am actually going to start putting some drum videos up again because I've been doing drum live streams and it's been super fun. And I started going, you know what? My drums sound so much better than everybody else's. 
I my drumming sounds really good. I'm just going to put it up there with a different twist and a different angle to it and maybe even talk about some of these things. Um, so how does that relate to what we're doing and with kids? And, you know, obviously our goal isn't to make these kids YouTube stars, but the way that this conversation got started in the forums and I'm, I've, I've been talking about the YouTube thing and incorporating it for two years. So this isn't new. I, I've, I've been talking about this for a long time, off and on. The idea is, is our job to make people really good musicians or is our job to inspire people to want to play music and experience the benefits of playing music? Because most of our students are not going to be good at playing music. Um, you know, there's a reality that you have to think about. Most of the people teaching music are not good at actually playing and performing music as well. They're okay. Some of them are okay, but many of them are not actually really good at playing and performing themselves at, at a really high level. So we have to look at what our goal is, I think, with music education. Is it to turn out all these prodigies or is it to share the joy and the love of being able to bang out your favorite, you know, classic tune on the acoustic guitar and, you know, or play this drum beat or just the exhilaration of like, you know, building, like it's like a workout to play drums for an hour, you know? I mean, there's all these different elements to it. You know, recreating that classical piece of music yourself and being able to read it off the page and, and uh, the accomplishment of learning a new skill and all those kind of things. I mean, you know, the majority of our students are really, you know, they're going, it's for enjoyment. It's for inspiration. You know, it's, it's really more about that. I think I mentioned it on another episode, you know, in your social media feed or in your circles, you might be hearing talk or reading even some articles where people are just like, oh my God, I can't wait to go see live music again and go see live bands. But it's important to remember that those people are all 30 years old or up for the most part, right? That's not our student base. That's not our kids that come to our music school. And so the way, reason that this came up is because if you talk to kids right now, they want to be like being a YouTuber is a job nowadays. Being a successful YouTuber is kind of like being, uh, you know, a successful musician was when, when we were kids and it was like, man, I want to be like Eddie Van Halen or whoever, you know, I want to be a rock star. I want to be in a band to a lot of kids, a majority of kids, maybe not a majority, but a big chunk of them. Being a YouTube sensation is kind of their version of our version of us wanting to be Eddie Van Halen, you know? So if we're not paying attention or aware of that, then we're just going to be grumpy old men and women who don't understand how to use their phone because it's so complicated and 
these kids today just don't, you know, they don't understand. And, and I think it's really important to not fall into that category. You're not going to be able to, we are not going to be able to change culture right now. Culture is kids want to play video games and they want to be YouTubers. And by the way, I, I have a student who's coming back to us to do DJ lessons. And when I was talking to his mom, she was like, oh, he's been making, he's got a YouTube channel. He's been making YouTube videos and it's not, they're not music related. He is doing like reenactments of famous like battle scenes uh, from the revolution and he acts them out with his friends and they made all these props. He's got music and titles and, you know, multiple scenes and he wrote a script and I watched it and I was like, this is really creative. Like this, I, I, there is a big educational and a positive benefit to what this kid was doing with his YouTube channel. And I, I, th <coughs> I think it's important for us to not fall into the trap that old people, us older people, fall into. The I used to walk both ways to school mentality. These kids don't understand. You know, these kids today with their social media, these kids today, they're just on their devices all the time. Blah, blah, blah. The country is, we're going to be ruined because all of these kids won't know how to have a job or all these kids, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I, you know, I have conversations with people that are like, I, I won't even say the name of the person, but you know, a legit rock star, like huge band guy who was just going off about his kids watching YouTube and, you know, how terrible it is. And I was like, but there's a bunch of great stuff on YouTube, you know? And like, I think if, if you, it's so easy, I don't know what it is when we cross this age barrier where we become those people. But, you know, Gary V <laughs> said it once on his show and it was so funny because he was like, you know, all these people complaining about, you know, t young teens or whatever. And all they're doing is being on social media and how horrible they are. And they're not going to how to, you know, they're, they're just, they're lazy. And he was like, time out. If you're telling me that when you were 15, you didn't have friends around you that were complete fucking losers that did nothing, that were total wasteoids and lazy and did nothing. You are a total liar. And it really made me think back to like, yeah, there was tons of kids that were just total losers back then. You know, it's no different. It's just a different, it's a different medium, you know? So end of that rant, but let's not, you know, I think it's important to not become the stodgy music people who are like, well, unless you're going to do it our way, unless you want to do it the way it's always been done, this is how it's always been done and we're not going to change. Well, I can tell you one other industry that did that. That would be the music industry. And, you know, I was taking part in like a Seth Godin marketing conference thing. Not, I mean, I was watching it, not taking part. Like I was speaking or anything. Uh, <laughs> But he was saying, if you want to see an industry that did everything wrong, look at the music industry. Times were changing. 
they refused to accept the change and what they tried to do was punish people into doing it their way. All those record labels are out of business. If someone along those lines back when that was changing had gotten ahead of that curve and said, we're not gonna be able to stop this change. So let's get ahead of it and figure out how we're gonna make it work. They'd be in a much better situation. I just don't want us to be the music industry. There are no artists out there in, to speak of inspiring kids to pick up the guitar right now or drums. Um, there are artists out there inspiring kids to do electronic music and to do music production. And I think if your school is not starting to go down that road, down the road, you might be really sorry. Now, with all this said, you know, I tend to talk about these things from the perspective of a school with hundreds of students and the need to grow it bigger. And, and you know, I have a bigger, you know, and I know there's lots of schools out there way bigger than mine, but I have a bigger, you know, a bigger small company, 20 teachers, and there's multiple partners, and we have a couple locations, and, you know, there's more moving parts. There's always going to be plenty of people that want to learn guitar, or play guitar, that a solo teacher, piano teacher, drum teacher, guitar teacher can have enough students to make some kind of a living. That's fine. I mean, you know, you could probably always continue to do that. <laughs> Eventually it might go away, but it might be years after you're out of the industry or you may have already died and, you know, we're talking another couple generations down the road. That's very possible. We could, you never know, a band might come out tomorrow with a young shredder guitar player or something that all of a sudden it's like, whoa, guitar sales are going through the roof. Kids now want to be like this performer. But it's, it's probably not going to happen the way that it happened for our hero artists. They started a band in the garage and they got a record deal, and then they ended up on the radio, and then they toured. It's going to be we started a band in the garage, and we made YouTube videos, and we got popular that way. And then we got started selling merchandise, and we started selling our songs that way. And all of a sudden, we started touring and becoming big artists. So now, how does all of this fit into what we're doing with our kids. Okay, I'm going to be paraphrasing something here. So I was listening to Seth Godin, and it was perfect that I heard this from him right as I was thinking about doing this episode. But he was talking about teaching and the struggles that teachers are having being forced to be online. And, you know, when we had them in the cast classroom captive, you kind of forced them to do the work. And even in colleges and stuff, when people are in that position of just being able to kind of turn the computer off and do something else, they're not doing the work. And the difference kind of between forcing them to do the work and them wanting to learn. And he referenced the supposed, you know, it might be mythical, Abe Lincoln quote, and I, I don't have the quote in front of me or anything, but it's, you know, Abe Lincoln was asked, how would you go about chopping down a tree if you only had, you know, 
X amount of hours to do it. And he said, well, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend seven hours sharpening the ax. And Seth Godin said, if you told me now that I had 18 hours to teach these people science, I would spend 17 hours getting them to want to learn about science. Because if I got them to want to learn about science, I could teach them what they need to know in an hour. And I was like, wow, that, <laughs> that sort of relates a lot to what we do. So is utilizing current trends, you know, whether it's a social media trend or it's YouTube or it's video game production of music to inspire a student to then say, I want to learn to play music. Is it then worth it that you used those tools to do so? And it's not just about making money. Okay. I mean, this is a biz. First off, this is a business podcast. And when we're talking about business, it is to increase your business, which means to increase your profits. However, obviously, there is an ethical element to what you do. If I didn't have ethics, I would be selling healing, holistic, cancer-curing guitar lessons right now and just be a charlatan like the entire supplement industry and you know BS fake health world out there that's just full of pseudoscience crap. I would just do that and just say, I, I do music lessons and it's, this is, these guitar lessons are done at a certain frequency. We play certain frequency of notes that have been known to promote cancer healing properties. I would just say some crap like that and make a ton of money. But I have ethics and I wouldn't lie. So you obviously have to have your code. Like my favorite character on The Wire, Omar, said, Every man's got to have a code. And so, you know, if you feel that YouTube is just destroying the music world, then, you know, you might not want to use it with kids. But if you feel that there is a way for that to become something very positive and you can use that as a way to inspire people to want to learn the science, right? then it might be easier to teach them the science. All right, guys, hope they gave you something to think about. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast is made possible by your support over at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash music lesson business academy and consider becoming a supporter. Patreon supporters get extra content every month.